everyone. Welcome back to the Queen of Calm podcast. I'm your host, Paisley Haddad. So I am so excited for today's episode because it's my 50th episode. Now, I have to repeat that because it's just so crazy to me. It's my 50th episode of the Queen of Calm podcast. It feels like just yesterday I was sitting here in my room conceptualizing the Queen of Calm podcast and, you know, making it what I wanted it to be. And, you know, I could have never expected all of the support that I've gotten from listeners and from guests wanting to be on the show and just from people in general wanting to share their advice with college students and recent graduates, but also, you know, established professionals in the industry. I think that's so important to note as well. And it's just been such an amazing and important experience to be able to chat with these women and hear their stories to inspire the next generation, because I know that it's so important to have role models in our industry. You know, sometimes all that you need to make a big leap in your career is to hear about someone who you admire, taking that jump and seeing that they've had success. And then, you know, having that example to emulate in your own career, I think is so important. And I think over these past 50 episodes, I've really driven home one of my points, which is that, you know, our generation is so valuable in our talent. We, we bring so much value to the positions that we join, whether you're an intern while still in college, or if you're just starting out with a new job, or if you're, you know, five years into the workforce and you're, you know, looking for that promotion or starting a new job, we just bring so much value to the workforce. And I don't want you all to forget that because it is so important to note. So I want to say that again. And I just want to thank you all for all of your support over these past 50 episodes. It's just been a crazy journey to be able to, you know, speak on PR week panels and, you know, talk with my alma mater's newspaper, the Marist Circle, about this project as I was the marketing director only one year ago there. It's just been such a crazy experience. And so I just want to thank you all so much for all your support. And, you know, it doesn't stop there. I have so many more episodes for you guys to check out. Um, but as for right now, as we've hit the 50th mark, go back, listen to any episodes you may have missed because there are so many great insights from my guests. And I can't stress this enough. And I might be biased because it is my podcast after all. But Every single woman that I talk to brings such new ideas and, you know, insights into the world of communications. And I just feel like, you know, from each episode, I just learned so much. And one of my main goals of starting this podcast was that a listener would take away at least one tidbit of information from every single episode. And I think that, you know, all of these women shared such great tips and advice. It's just so important to, you know, really recognize that and you know, listen to their advice because they just have such great experiences to share. So that's that on that, more to come. But as for today's industry insights, in true Queen of Calm fashion, um, we'll have to include those. But I wanted to, you know, talk about Emily in Paris, season three. I saw that they started filming this past week. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see, you know, what this season is going to be all about because as you all know, I, you know, dissected this show so thoroughly because I just feel like there's something bigger going on rather than just like what people kind of write it off as kind of like a just a cutesy show. I think that Darren Starr, the showrunner, has big plans for the show. And that's why I comment on all the communications tactics that are used and the different campaigns and the different, you know, ways that they comment on the industry. So as I was mentioning before in my New Year's episode, one of my big goals is to be recognized by Emily in Paris in some way, whether it's with a PR package or a partnership or something like that for the podcast. I'd love to have, um, 
Lily Collins on the show to interview her, who plays the title character, if you're not familiar, Emily Cooper, because I just think that would be such an amazing interview because something really struck me about her is that, you know, at the red carpet premiere of season two of Emily in Paris, she gave a shout out to all the communications professionals who work in the industry because she just found it so interesting about the work we do. And she just wanted to pay homage to us because she knows, you know, from playing the role and doing her research that, you know, we do have such interesting jobs and it's such a unique industry. And so I just think it would be such an amazing conversation with her to talk about these different topics and how she brings Emily to life. So if you're listening to this Netflix, please, 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 please connect me with Lily Collins for an interview. I think it would be so awesome. And from a PR perspective, I think it would really be great for Lily to do this with a, a a podcast that really focuses on women in communications because I think that's a huge theme in Emily in Paris. And if you're a, list- you're a listener out there and you want to help me out, tag Netflix. I'm going to make a post and tag them below so that we can get their attention. Um, but other than that, there's just been so many great PR moves lately and it's so hard to keep up. So I'm really going to start this thing on Twitter where I'm going to ask all of you on my Instagram stories and also Twitter to send in the PR moves that you're seeing out there because I feel like you know, sometimes you're so wrapped up in the work that you're doing with your own clients. Sometimes it's hard to keep up with other PR installations. So I'd love to see what you guys think are the latest and greatest in PR. So be sure to send them my way for industry insights in the future. But as for today's episode, so the name of this episode is called Accidentally Strategic because, you know, as I was going back and listening to my conversation with my guest, that's a phrase she used when she was talking about, you know, how she got started in communications because I was asking her, you know, what was it like to get started in the industry and then work with such great big brands like Amazon and Expedia? And she described it as accidentally strategic, which I thought was such a great term to use because, you know, we have such big plans as professionals of, you know, we're going to, you know, get this job and it's going to lead to this promotion and we're going to work for this company. And sometimes we, you know, think it's all planned out, but truly you never know what's going to happen in your career and in your life. And I just think my guest illustrates that so well. And she also shares such meaningful advice for young professionals as you you know, enter the industry. It was just such a treat to talk to her. And she's also starting her own podcast, which is really exciting to talk to a fellow podcaster. So be sure to stay tuned for the interview. But before you jump in to the interview, be sure to follow us on social media at Queen of Calm Podcast and at Queen of Calm Pod on Twitter. Then, if you're enjoying the show and you're loving my guests and the different topics we talk about, head to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because it truly means a lot to me. And finally, if you're looking to be on the Queen of Calm podcast with a question, a comment, or if you'd like to you know, go back to a topic that we talked about on a previous episode, be sure to leave us a voicemail by heading to the link in our Instagram bio or to anchor.fm slash queenofcompodcast slash message, and you can leave us a voicemail that could be even used on the show. So be sure to do all that to keep up with everything Queen of Com and stay tuned for the interview. My next guest is a former journalist turned culture and comms pro at leading companies like Amazon and Expedia, and now is the founder of Unlock which centers on how brain science, psychology, and habits can unlock potential. She is also jumping into a new podcast, Fewer Things Better. Please welcome Kristen Graham to the podcast. Welcome, Kristen. So glad to have you on today. Oh my gosh, so fun to be here. Well, why don't we get started with how you first got interested in communications? Oh gosh, 
Um, you know, it's funny. I think when people find themselves in a career of communications, they always like to hearken it back and say, I asked a lot of questions when I was a kid, or I was just a chatty individual. Um, all of those things were true. <laughs> I didn't know though, that communications was a career. I think that came much later. Once I went into the world of business, I remember being very curious about a lot of things. But no school counselor or aptitude test was ever like, here's an option and here's what you could get paid for. So it really became uh, serendipitous as we as I stumbled into this space. I wish I could say I always knew I would do this, but I didn't. I just wanted a paycheck at first. I love that you brought that up because I always say that PR and communications needs its own publicist. I feel like like you said, you know, when you're in high school, like no one ever mentions communications. And, you know, as you go into college, like finding your major, I feel like it's, you know, more common, but people never intend to get into communications. At least a lot of the people I've talked to on the podcast never do. Well, I feel like now more these days, people understand advertising, they understand PR. And with, you know, we can thank the Kardashians for (laughs) content creation. I can't believe I just said that. Please don't use that as a pull quote. I wasn't actually thanking them. (laughs) I'm saying we can attribute to this content element, but I think you're right. There isn't this like, here are multiple career paths that you can explore. It seems to be accidental or a gift with purchase on some of early careers that people go into. Yes, definitely. And so talking about more, you know, early career interests, what was your time in college like and how did that help you refine your interests to your career path? You know, it's funny. It wasn't until I got to grad school that I realized that communications lowercase c was an attribute that could be leveraged for professional means. I always thought that for me because words came easy that it was definitely more of um, a shortcut. It, it, it's also really funny. I have an older brother who uh, we always joke, he got the left brain. I got the right brain. <laughs> he's, a, he's a CFO. He's Mr. Numbers. He was a, one of the youngest accountants. And so everybody saw his aptitude at math and we're like, well, what will you do with that? I had an aptitude at humans, but nobody was like, look at you. You're going to have great career choices. <laughs> it's more <laughs> like he's smart and she's fun right? And I think when you're a woman, because let's just start with the gender dynamics, when you're a woman in communications, there's often that difference between what is your career component versus what are aspects of your personality. Not even sure if that ties to your original question, but I didn't have people guide and say, hey, it looks like you're showing some signs and some strengths in this place. It really became accidental. More so, especially in college, as that was your question, I was always the one that was like, hey, group project, if you all do the Excel spreadsheet, I'll get up in front of the class. (laughs) (laughs) All the introverts were like, done. Yes, put her on our team. Then I'm like, cool, I don't have to do a pivot table. Let's go. I love that because I'm not good with numbers either. (laughs) That is not my forte at all. And so you're so right about what you were saying about how, you know, for women, it's so segmented into your personality versus your, you know, career interests. And I think that's part of why I started this podcast is to really, you know, open up that dialogue of women in communications, because, you know, there are so many intricacies into why women get into communications. And, you know, I feel like that, you know, it's, we are, I always say this too, that, you know, we're always telling our 
our uh, brand stories, you know, the different companies we work for, but we're never telling our own stories. And that's just going to open the door for more women who want to get into communications who are currently in college or recent graduates. So thank you so much for bringing that up. Absolutely. And I said this when, when we first connected with each other, I wish I had had this thread of insights back when I was exploring all of the different options, because just hearing other people's story in and of itself, and that is the root of communication, that's storytelling. But I think you're right. Something that you just said was, we get really good at um, brand building or making things easier for others, but self-advocacy or self-components, it's still, it's one thing for us to be personable and friendly, but when you are promoting yourself, uh, there's still some tricky dynamics to it. So I'm eager to get into that. Yes, definitely. And I feel like there's such a stereotype too of like women in communications where they show on TV when they show like this, you know, publicist all about herself and like not worrying about anything. And so I really wanted to peel that back as well as, you know, we're real people that have, you know, these real careers and these real conversations. So definitely we'll talk about that more. But as for your career journey, you work with some, you know, really notable companies like Expedia and Amazon. So what were all of your career experiences like and how did that lead you to the work you're doing today? Yeah, I wish I could say it was always my vision. I have a girlfriend one time when I met her, she's like, here's my PowerPoint for how I'm going to become a chief operating officer. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, I have a gum wrapper with my, <laughs> uh, so I wish I could say, oh yes, Paisley. Like I always knew I would have this, but almost all of my big trajectories were accidentally strategic, which is one of the first things I'd say to anybody is if you don't have it figured out, fantastic because that means something else is possible than what you are envisioning. And my goal when I got out of undergrad was, and I was joking earlier, but it was really just getting a job because it was, I, can't, I, was, in a liberal, lib, I was in a liberal arts school and it was like, let's just kind of put that, let's try to make back our tuition. And I started <laughs> out actually at a nonprofit and one of the beautiful things at a nonprofit, I can definitely talk about what it was like to work at the world's largest company too. And I love this about communications as a practice is that at a nonprofit and at agencies and other places, you get to be a master of all trades, a wonderful generalist. I joke a lot about professionally, my opportunities were more like I was a lint brush and I walked by something that got assigned to me <laughs> than it was some <laughs> big proposal I put together. Being curious and raising your hand, that got me more than, and I did go on to get advanced degrees and, and designer labels on my resume. But in the beginning, working in a nonprofit, I was hired as the PR manager. And within that space, it was more like, when you have any type of communication component to your job, there's like a expectation you can ask questions. And I maximize that. I'll wandered around everybody. Tell me what you do. And they're like, oh, the communications check. Okay. I get it. But within that you get to explore and be naturally curious. One of the things, especially with PR, I, we were trying to get a bunch of um, media to pay attention to this nonprofit. And it's, it's, it's hard to stand out. It's not now in the world of all the big foundations, but so I was like, why don't we make up an event and give awards? Journalists never receive awards. So if we give it to them, then <laughs> I'm not saying, please don't try this at home. But I remember, and they were like, yeah, they'll show up for an award. They're kind of the unsung heroes. And so being creative versus going along to some playbook. Um, and then you tell me where you want to double click. I went from there into a magazine publishing company. And uh, then I can tell you more of that story. But I wanted to make that finer point that regardless of where you start, 
opportunities are yours for the making. Uh, yeah, I love everything you just shared because I can definitely concur with that because when I was in college, um, I was the head of our student run firm and we work with exclusively nonprofits and that is such a rewarding, you know, part of PR and like you said, you know, being, you know, the expert, you know, of doing everything for them and they, you know, don't really have any clue of what to do with their communications and you can be, you know, such an asset to them and I love that idea you had about giving the awards I think that's very clever. Well, and we see this in our current news cycle too. When you're doing uh, PR or advocacy work, especially for nonprofits, good news isn't always sexy. So it's our job as storytellers and translators to make it compelling. And the human interest is certainly there. But if you look at any headlines anywhere, it's always going to have that negative slant to it. So that becomes an additional opportunity to stand out with integrity. Definitely. And and that is such one of the great parts of our um industry being able to tap into all these different interests and these different industries while still you know staying in the communications vein with all of our work so I think that's just such a cool part of our industry but you know speaking more on your work with Kristen Gramcoms you know where did that come from and how did you decide to go out on your own after you know working in uh, corporate communications yeah and so Kristen Graham communications was my first year as an entrepreneur and you mentioned in the intro I, I've rebranded and launched a, a larger more extensive but I think it's really important that we all allow ourselves our freshman year <laughs> multiple <laughs> times. And so that's absolutely what that was. But to your question about that transition, I think for me being a Gen Xer, getting into demographics a little bit, my initial impression of the journey was to go do all the things I was supposed to do, kind of the good girl's guide to professional segmentation. And I, I realized early, probably 10 years into my career, oh, I I want to do something different. I, and I thought, oh, maybe it's an agency because then you can work with a lot of different people. But at the end of the day, when we collect our paycheck from anybody, our main role, we trade our time for their, for their services. And so within that, I, was, I became very good at being the voice of multiple things, departments, brands, um, executives, projects, initiatives. And so you become this PR person. And my whole career was internal communications, employee engagement culture, and public relations is absolutely part of what we do. We generate excitement um, and we're there to help people feel smarter, faster. What was really interesting to me as I started exploring and then embarking on being an entrepreneur is you can become really, really good at your job. And most people in communications, I think, get good quickly. There were quick studies. And within that, when you get into what I'll call, and I'm stealing this from a book, so we'll put it in your show notes, <laughs> right? But your, your zone of excellence, when you become really good and you make everybody's job easier, then you're trying to advance your career. There's absolutely some friction that occurs because it's like, I, like I support you in having these other opportunities, but you leaving will make my job harder. I'll be very curious if, if a lot of your listeners find that getting advocates and sponsors and mentors who are like, let's do what's best for you versus no, 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 you were really great on that last campaign. Can you just stay for six more months? So I got really good at being everybody else's voice and pulling into the zone of genius. So zone of excellence is what you are accomplished for, recognized in kind of the external accolades. The zone of genius though, that's the stuff that you think about. Um, in the morning, in the afternoons. It's the, it's the thing that you daydream about doing. And I wanted to know what it was like to have my own voice on something, not representing everyone else. 
Well, thank you so much for bringing that up. That's such an interesting way to look at it because I do feel like so many times, you know, when we're in these, you know, communications careers, very fast paced and, you know, there's a lot of people to, you know, that rely on you, like you were saying, you know, you feel like you have to stay in one career. I mean, but even like looking to the future, I'm like, you know, is this my forever company? Like, can I, you know, figure out how to pivot within my career? So I think that was such a valuable point that you brought up. I hope, I hope that there are myriad experiences for people. And one of the things I learned when I, when I went to Amazon, one of the world's largest companies is that you can have multiple opportunities and multiple careers under the same brand. So I want to make sure that people attract that possibility as well, is that you have the right to change your mind or expand what you want to do. You get to put an ampersand into your career. Nobody else is in charge of your punctuation. And it took me decades to figure that out. Well, I, I love what you just shared. And yeah, that that is so true because, you know, I think we it even starts in college when we're talking about, you know, everyone's so pressured to say, are you going internal or are you going agency? And you got to kind of figure that out and really figure out, do you want to work with multiple clients or just one? But really, I mean, I've just from talking, bring up talking to different guests on the podcast again, just hearing about different career journeys and the, the industries that they're in. There's so many unique things that build on those, you know, experiences that you have early on. So yeah. for listeners, that is a great tip, um, you know, to always be learning and evolving and making a pivot as you see fit. One of the things I love about talking to communications people, because we're the people people, it's such an interesting collection of people. One of the one of the most challenging things we can do to anybody in a communications career is to put them in a box and tell them to wait. We are naturally impatient in a good way. We don't want to get bored. And there's that variety really becomes how you unleash innovation in our brains. Writing the same editorial calendar year over year, or the same marketing release, it's only going to stagnate people. However, when words and communications come easily to us and that creative juice, it's very hard for people to look at that and kind of show our math and say, wait, how did they get, especially when you do it quickly, people don't always give you due credit to the fact that that can be intelligent and strategic. It's like, oh, that's just fluff. And that's just, um, you're just, you're just doing a PR spin on something. It's like, no, no, no. These are, these are my 10,000 hours of practice. When I can pull in the refrigerator poetry quickly, it's not, it's not shortcutting something. It's just the fact that I've been able to use that muscle and don't let anybody else discredit the speed at which you do it, because that's actually your core talent speed. <laughs> Definitely. And so, you know, hopping off of that, um, you know, we were just talking about that culture factor. You mentioned that. And even, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, working with different coworkers and having those expectations. So in your, from your experience in previous roles and what you're doing now, how does culture go hand in hand with corporate communications? Ooh, um, the last two years, especially during the, the pandemic re renaissance and reframing, <laughs> let's just, let's just make it sound like a silver lining. It has completely upended the fact that communications is no longer a nice to have. In the very beginning, it was literally life-saving in terms of logistics and operations. And I remember sitting in Amazon in the early months and there was somebody from technology who said, I don't think the IT department or communications departments ever have to validate their headcount anymore. And it was such an important framing because to your question, 
to, to look at communications and to not see how it fits into culture, it is such a kaleidoscope within it. And it can be through a single individual, let's say an executive, um, but it's really that coming back together of, it is what people are going to experience, not just be told. And we can tell people all day long, but you get into culture and you're like, that is not authentic. And that's going to be a core component. So I really hope that this has become a launching pad for us being, not even having the question of whether we're at the table anymore and getting at that table and not just being at the table to take notes. Basically, this is one of my huge things of it is never let yourself be minimized because of the speed at which your brain works, especially to other entrepreneurs. I'm like, never, ever give an hourly rate because you're too fast. You'll end up kind of shortchanging that. But the other component is just because you get at a table or a, a Zoom room or anything like that, it is then the opportunity to influence. So back to culture, never before has there been an opportunity for us to put our fingerprints on culture because we ourselves are the recipients, the consumers, the clients, and the employees. So when we're sitting there being dictated to the message and it looks and feels I didn't ask you if this was explicit, like BS, then that is our, not just our opportunity, but our onus to come forward and be like, let's think of a different way to say that we're no longer note takers and transcribers. I I love that. And I think that was one of the biggest struggles, you know, pre-pandemic for our industry of, you know, explaining our worth to, you know, business partners and clients who have more of that, you know, divide, like we're talking about the right, right brain, left brain, better with numbers. And, you know, that's something I always would ask to like guest speakers who would come to speak at my college. Like, how do you, in in the real world, like, how do you show that, you know, value to these business partners? And there was never really a clear answer. And so I really love how you, you know, mentioned that about how the pandemic has really opened that box to those conversations of valuing communications professionals. And I think even like the general public seeing like, different press conferences on TV during COVID and, you know, relying on those, you know, communicators to be saying, you know, what supermarkets are open or what restaurants are open or any of these things Mm -hmm. that happen, which going back to that silver lining aspect too, it really evolved our industry into what it is say. And even on culture, I was talking about this with another guest recently um, who is all about internal comms at Zoom. And she, she was telling me about how, um, you know, internal comms over the pandemic has really shifted to, you know, how how employers take feedback and how they value employees. And, you know, because any, we know nowadays that any employee could go on, you know, Glassdoor and write a review and that could become Mm -hmm. a comms issue. And, you know, especially in our hybrid world, making sure that everyone, you know, is heard, you know, in these Zoom room meetings or even in, in, you know, at the table. So definitely that was such a relevant thing that you brought up. And I think it's only going to get better from here for us to really, you know, cement our place in the business world on the business side. I love that. And I think it's so important when you're having conversations, either internal or job interviews or exploring opportunities, listen for the signals to see where they want you to play a very prescriptive role and where you have an opportunity to amplify. You should be able to have a career where you're a megaphone, not a microphone. And what I mean by that is we get to have more than one tone. And I had many people early in my career who were like, you're here to make this sound pretty. I mean, that's dismissive on a whole lot of levels. And I would say, especially the last couple of years, we're here to help people believe you. So if you're in there saying, just take this policy and make it, make it palatable. 
um, your point about Glassdoor and the rest of it, we are living in the choice economy. As consumers, as world citizens, there's no longer just this North America lens. And as gender equal, racial and social justice, there, we can't make something pretty anymore because we're not flat dimensions and single modalities. That was my point about the megaphone. And you talking about companies need to be having communicators in there to help them listen more and talk less. Yes, yeah, yes. And and more of their publics, I mean, you know, us included, are really looking into like if a company says, I support this cause, like people are actually going now and like checking to make sure that their messaging aligns with that and that they're showing that on social media and you know, in their company culture. So definitely I think that's a big trend for 2022. Yeah, and I think that um all, all sorts of individuals are now looking at companies and organizations and affiliations, and they're they're not saying how pretty is your marketing and how slick is your logo. It's saying how are you living to your statements consistently? That's different. Anybody can look good to come out and say, we support Black Lives Matter. And then we're like, yeah, but we're going to check back in a few months and see if that's still authentic to you. Look at what's happening with Disney right now. I, I have not seen so many headlines about companies who are getting in the news about their communications or lack of communications. And I mentioned Disney because I know you're recording this at a point in time around the LGBTQ support from their CEO. And even, even delays in coming forward with messaging are now messages. And you're seeing a lot of backtracking and a lot of consequences of missed or ill communication that simply used to just not be there. It used to be a church and state of work as work and external. It's all blended. We come to work as our whole self and we listen with our whole self now. I can collect my paycheck from you and not agree on your stance on climate change politics. So there's a lot more they're listening to than what type of dental plan do you want to enroll in? Yes, yes, to totally. And that's such a, a good example that you shared because, you know, that goes back to our what we were talking about, too, about, you know, people really looking into what these companies believe in and how they're putting things into practice. And so that kind of goes into my next question, which is about your advice for recent graduates and college students and how they can decide whether or not they want to get into you know, a company atmosphere or go on their own from, from the get-go because, you know, because of the pandemic and because of, you know, these special, special considerations because of, you know, these companies changing and, the, you know, the workforce changing, um, you know, there's so much more to consider these days and a lot, there's a lot more freelancing opportunities. There's a lot more opportunities to, you know, start your own journey as a PR professional or entrepreneur. So what is your advice for college students and recent grads trying to figure that out at this current moment? Well, I go, I love it. I go back to the point about we are in this choice economy. And so I would say really pay attention to the signals because whatever, um, and it could be a great company and you like all their, all of their principles, but when you're in the hiring loops or that your individual manager, back to the point about culture, really be paying attention to not just, hey, do I, do I respect this brand and, and what is this compensation package, but does this feel right for who I am and what I can do? Now, believe me, when I was coming out and looking for jobs, my dad, who was, you know, career military, he was like, yeah, do you get a paycheck and benefits? Like <laughs> <laughs> the rest was optional, but I think, but so I want to recap there, really be paying attention to the signals and see if it's something that you can feel comfortable amplifying. Because even if you aren't their microphone or their megaphone, you sitting with that company 
it stands for something. The second thing is like, like any financial expert is going to come forward and say, diversify your interests. And I would say that on your career all the time. You can do it within an organization or a particular job or role. You can do it like, like you're doing here. I had a side hustle before I became like, try on different things and try them on for more than a minute. We are also this kind of impatient world of like, oh, wait a minute. I, I did two Twitter posts and it didn't work. Like try it on and never, ever stop being a student. You can graduate from college and you can graduate from coursework, but never stop being a student. The best opportunities come from being like, I'd love to learn something about that. Do you need an extra hand? That quote alone has opened up more doors than any credentials that I brought forward. Um, and try to learn as much as you put forward. There is so many points of view that we now have access to in a different way. The single best communicators are the ones who are always seeking to understand and to think again. That's a really important point of putting out there is to say, help me understand that differently or better. You know, I feel like people are so willing. I mean, sometimes I feel like for a younger professional or a student, it may be intimidating to ask, you know, can I shadow you on this or can I pick your brain about this? But it, I feel like so many people that you wouldn't expect are willing to, you know, give advice and, you know, tips on how you can learn more about a certain subject or different thing you're working on. So definitely. I love, love, love that you brought that up because, and I was listening to your other podcasts and, and a lot of your guests were saying that, like really going out and having coffee and, and doing all this stuff. But here's the thing I want to tell you as an executive who has sat at a lot of tables. Um, so few people ask questions because they're always like, I don't want to bother them. I'm sure they're super busy. Um, and we make all these reasons why we don't want to be a nuisance. I remember being in, I think I was in San Francisco and I was doing an international women's day event with the president of Hotwire. I was in the travel industry at this point. And we were in between and we'd just done this whole conversation to a group about sponsorship and mentorship and all the right words. And he turned to me later and he said, do you have a mentor? And I'm like, oh yeah, it's so-and-so. And he's like, I've been here six years nobody's ever asking. And I was like, wow. oh my gosh, go tell that room. I bet you would have 200 people. But here's the thing. And, and I, I speak now to a lot of um, MBA groups and universities. I will sit there and have these conversations and I will say, rock your LinkedIn, build your network, be out there and ask questions. And I'm telling you, Paisley, 10%, 10% even take me up on it when it wow. is a very, very active ask. So the shy or the hesitancy or, oh, it's been too long. So few people ask. When I was applying to go to colleges, I remember a guidance counselor said, do you know how many scholarships go unclaimed because people simply don't apply for them? That is fundamentally the same for career opportunities. I'm willing to bet. Wow. Well, that's crazy to hear in practice. I'm so uh, glad on my end that I'm, I, you know, prophesize that correctly, but not glad that, you know, people aren't taking advantage of all these great opportunities that are out there. And, you know, I, I felt like before this podcast and early on in my, you know, college career, I did an internship. And one of my biggest regrets is that I wasn't, you know, asking more questions and asking to grab coffee. And um, I feel like now doing this podcast and in my career, I've been more opening, more open to asking questions and, you know, picking people's brains about their careers and, you know, how, what got them to their position. And I just have felt a change in my work and, 
you know, me as a professional. So it definitely does have an effect. So listeners, if you're listening to this right now, do not be afraid to ask someone you admire for help or advice because everyone is always willing. And the worst that they can say is not at this time or, you know, let's stay in touch. So that take that advice listeners. <laughs> and you're modeling it. I think that's what's so they're getting to eavesdrop in on these conversations and it's not so daunting. And the other thing too, is you don't have to come in with the script to ask them. And you know this from being the podcast host, but I think that there's two great questions you should always put in your repertoire. And one is to say, who else should I meet? Or what is, or what else should I be exposed to? Cause that could be books. It could be podcasts, it could be all sorts of, but that who else should I meet? Even that signal allows you to go off and explore in different directions. And then the other one is what questions am I not asking? Because we get all in our checklist and they're being dutiful and answering, but then being like, what am I not asking? What's wisdom that I don't, what don't I even know? Or what did you learn the hard way? I think we're, we're trying to be too soundbite instead of let there be open space, open-ended questions. And that's where the juice is. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for bringing that up as well, because, you know, I feel like a mentorship shouldn't be like one-sided, like the person giving the advice, just funneling it down to the, the mentee. I feel like it's a two-way street of, you know, bringing different personalities and what they both can bring to the table. So I love that you mentioned that as well. Um, and I also wanted to ask you for these college students and recent grads. So, you know, now if they've, you know, figured out whether they want to go on their own or, you know, work in the communications world at a company, What's your advice for, for uh, communications pros just starting out? What should they know as they enter the industry? Oh, my gosh. Um, I think that there's a lot that can be mined from existing sources. And one of the things, especially because communications people are uh, probably better at doing some research and rooting around and asking follow-up questions, is um, never underestimate having interesting bits of information or being able to find those connection pieces or go, go through there and double click on a lot of things so that you can have a conversation that not everybody else is having. And that means not just like who else are they connected to, but really starting to understand that industry or like cannabis is a whole new industry. I'm out in Seattle and, and I think this was five, six years ago. I went out and learned a lot about the cannabis industry just so that I could be part of the evolving conversations. And I think that that's the other thing I would say is have a wide collection of sources of information that tickle your brain, uh, because that's the element of being like, oh, well, I did just see something on that, or, or hey, what's going on with crypto over here? So that when you hear a word or a phrase or a snippet of conversation, you can circle around and be like, hey, I'm just learning about crypto now. Do you mind if we... Can you say more about that? Being able to always have your ears trained, it's a really great segue into unexpected places. Yes, so, such an important part of the process. And in, a, in another episode, I talked with a guest about, um, she was in journalism, and we talked about a great way to practice that for listeners is while you're still in college, like maybe if you're a PR major, get involved with the newspaper and try having your finger on the pulse of what's going on around yeah. campus. And it is a good way to build your confidence of reaching out to people and know what's going on. So that's a great example for listeners. But I'm glad you mentioned that as well, because I feel like, you know, us as communications professionals, as we were talking about before, of you know, getting that seat at the table and how it's evolving with our business partners. If we have our finger on the pulse of what's going on and we can add insight to, you know, any trending news that's going on or within the industry that you're working in, that is just so valuable and it can spark new ideas in any you know 
uh, department that you're working with as well. I, and I love how you said that too, because it doesn't all have to be in a, a real-time conversation. Here's the other piece of advice I would say, never underestimate the, plow, the power of flattery and engagement. So on any of the social channels, it's not just something to hit a like button or to connect on LinkedIn. Going out on any of the channels, liking, commenting, engaging, contributing to the conversation, I, um, I will remember who is engaging with my posts from a dialogue perspective, more so than, hey, I want to connect with you on LinkedIn. So don't be afraid to show up, to be visible and to, and Twitter's a great space. And I've been on Twitter from the beginning and I didn't always think it was this like epicenter of conversation, but I feel like there's been a movement through Clubhouse and through a lot of the other TikTok. People are being a lot more collaborative in real-time conversation. Don't just be a voyeur. When you're out there, be engaging and not just like, love this, be like, Hey, love this line from what you just shared. And you know, this too, when you're putting up your podcast and your all the work that goes behind it. And if somebody said, I really like this point that you said, boom, you've just made a deposit in the bank of goodwill. And that my friends is a really important investment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When I meet someone new and they tell me, oh, I listened to an episode of your podcast, or I really enjoyed this subject that you talked about, that goes such a long way in making that connection. And so that, you know, people know that, you know, you're paying attention to the work that they're working on. And also talking about Twitter too, I feel like that has just become like a journalist hub. So if you're in PR, like you can find all these different personal things. Like if someone likes to watch the Red Sox game, you know, after work, like you can, you can touch on that in a pitch or different things that they're working on, you know, in their work as well. So I think that's yeah. a great tool that you mentioned as well. So I also did want to ask you about your work with Unlock and your new podcast that's coming out because that is super exciting. Congratulations. So can you talk a bit about both of those? Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. So um, not only did, did I spend time as a journalist and then I went into corporate. So I, um, and, and everything that we just said, I was always collecting a lot of tidbits of information. <laughs> and then one of the things that, because we get so practiced in these conversations is being able to bring relevant points together. Because I think a lot of our work as storytellers is to help people feel smarter, faster. I said that earlier. And so the other thing, and it's certainly in the last couple of years, but definitely the digital age, we have just such an abundance of information that it's overwhelming. <laughs> have you ever like walked into the other room and you're like, I just want to take a nap. I don't even <laughs> want to, like the kitchen has stuff for me and the computer has stuff for me. And so my premise, and I have teenage boys, so I was always around bite-sized information because I'm very <laughs> limited uh, viewership from them. But so I started kind of having this component of what if I could just give out brain snacks? What if I could just have something when I was in uh, high school, they called them cliff notes. Like you don't have to read the whole book. Here's the cliff notes. Right. And it's within that space of what if you could have smart, simple solutions that you could just try on, like from a mental menu and just say, oh, that's, that's interesting about habits or that's interesting about psychology. Um, and then the more I was out there teaching and having these conversations at universities and at companies, people would come back and be like, I really like that point. And have you ever thought of this? So it's that, that plus sign, here's an idea, plus here's practical experience. So unlock, which is unlockthebrain.com is all about how do we amplify our brains? How do we retrain them to work with us <laughs> a little bit more and go from being always busy to productive and really to embrace the concept 
of slow productivity because we've been rewarded for doing everything all at once. And our brains are like, sorry, <laughs> we're going to go back to factory settings and that's not doable. And fewer things better is going to take that conversation forward in just like we're having here if to say, here is a thought bubble. Here's a little bit of science or psychology or habits behind it, but here's a thought bubble. And if that lights you up somehow, give it a try. If not, take the next snack. I love that concept because I feel like since the pandemic started and, you know, finishing out college through a pandemic and then starting a job, I work fully remote and trying to, you know, juggle agency life. My brain has felt like it's exploding with all this information. So I love that you're, you know, helping out on that aspect and that slow productivity, um, you know, aspect too, because I feel like, like you were saying, our, you know, society has been all about like, go, go, go. Like if you don't finish something right away, then like, it's not effective, but really like when someone spends a while on something or, you know, takes time to really absorb, I think work is better. People are more creative. And so I love the work that you're doing. And I'm so excited to hear your podcast and hear all those, you know, insights shared through a conversation. I love how you said that too, because you're right. We've been so trained and conditioned that it's all about our achievement. And we've really downplayed fulfillment. And I just did my LinkedIn post today. And I'm like, do y'all know there's spring flowers on the trees? Like, you don't even have to look at them through a window. You can actually go outside. It's this, I, I hope that there's going to be this return just as COVID upended the way culture and remote work and what can get done and what's efficient. I really hope we have a return back to, can I enjoy the life that I've worked so hard to build? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I, and I hope that we'll, we'll be seeing that soon too. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Very soon. <laughs> yes. And so Chris and I have one final question for you. So this is out of inspiration of one of my favorite girl bosses, Sophia Amoruso, and she coined this phrase and built an empire out of it, a media company. Mm -hmm. And so I love to end the episode on a high note and talk about a woman who inspires my guests because my show is all about women's empowerment and really, you know, like we're talking about before with, you know, not being afraid to ask for advice or mentorship, really shouting out someone who inspires you and, you know, is one of your biggest inspirations. So Kristen, who is your favorite girl boss or just a woman who inspires you? And you can't say more than one because we've had that before on the show. Oh, I can. I can say more than one. Okay. Yes, you can. Uh, well, because this is very timely and in the news, I want to give um, real time credit. I think that, um, examples pave the way to a larger opportunity. Um, you know, I was born right around Roe v. Wade and Title IX. And so when I look at uh, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson right now going through confirmation hearings, the fact that she is sitting in a chair, uh, having questions peppered at her by a bunch of men, it is um, an exemplification of grace. And so I find politics aside, I think that it is symbolic of how a woman will do work in this world and change the world for that. So I think that just her embodiment of grace in this moment is an example for all of us. And um, I also had another mentor who had said to me early on, because I, I got some wins early in my career, and she said, um, enjoy the level that you're at, but always send the elevator back down. And that is fundamental advice, part of this conversation, part of always being open to being of service, even as we enjoy what we have earned. 
Well, thank you so much for sharing both of those women. And I say this in every single episode, but I just love this question because, you know, I love ending on that note of, you know, sharing these inspiring women. And, you know, while I don't know your mentor, I have been hearing about, um, you know, the new hearing on TV and seeing her having that grace. And so that is so inspirational. We need, we need more female judges. (laughs) I'm going to say one more thing though, if I may, you're kind of my new favorite girl boss right now, because you're making it happen. And you're bringing conversations forward. And I don't think you have to be at any tenure, any age or any position in order to be a girl boss. And I can't wait to see what you're going to do. Thank you so much. That means a lot. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. I love this conversation and I feel like listeners are going to enjoy this as well. So Kristen, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, friend. It was so much fun. Thanks for listening. Did you enjoy this episode? Head to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Want to drop us a line? Click the link in our Instagram bio to leave us a voicemail. And who knows, it might even end up on the show. See you next week for more tips and tricks of the trade.